the Advent season we've been talking about. Hope, peace, joy, and now love. And I think it's not until you need those things that you realize that they're there, right? It's one thing to talk about hope. That's another thing to need hope. It's one thing to talk about the concept of peace, and it's another thing to to uh, to be in a situation where you feel the need for peace. So thank you, Lord, for making us aware of who you are, for bringing your goodness to bear in our lives. And sometimes we're more aware of it than others, but we're grateful that you're you're moving and you're active. Yeah, amen. As part of our worship, we're going to take up uh, an offering. This is, we don't give because uh, we want God's blessing. We give because he has blessed us. He is our provider and we honor him with our resource. So uh, Lord, we, we bless um, this, these tithes and this offering and may these monies be used wisely. Would your kingdom be extended and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may pass those baskets. I'm going to grab this table. Well, if you are new with us today, either here in the room or online, welcome to Northwest Church Edgewood. We are happy to have you with us. Uh, one particular person that will be I don't know if you're watching now or you'll watch later, but Darlene, we love you. And you're, uh, Darlene is usually the one giving announcements. And so I'm sorry you're stuck with me today. Um, she, she's uh, mastered that. And, but she's in Arizona with her new granddaughter right now. So, um, so she's loving being a grandma. Randy, good to see you here today. Um, and she'll be back. She'll be back. She had to extend it. She was loving being a grandma so much that she had to stay a couple extra days. She was planning on being back, but granddaughter won out on that one. So uh, just a couple announcements. Um, Christmas Eve service on Friday, because that's when Christmas Eve is, at 5 o'clock. We'll be here. We'll sing some carols. We'll have a short, encouraging message. I did say short. And we're going to do a little bit of candle lighting. Invite your friends, family, or anyone who doesn't have a place to go. Look, we're not trying to, to steal people and compete and all that with other churches. But there are plenty of people that do not have a place to go that would, uh, that would appreciate a home on Christmas Eve. So when you come across them, invite them. That's how we'll do that. Next Sunday, the 26th, there will be no Sunday service here. And uh, likewise, on Wednesday, the 29th, we will not have a prayer meeting on the 29th, but we will this Wednesday. Um, you know, why, why would you have a prayer meeting when everything's so busy just before Christmas? Because you need it. That's why. And I need it. So we will be here praying Wednesday, 7 o'clock, as we do every week. All right. How's that for concise announcements? No, 
no drama. I thought about bringing the fire extinguisher up again, but we didn't need it. So, by the way, Hunter did a great job with that that lighter. That is a, um, they use those things for creme brulee. <laughs> the regular lighter pooped out on us just before service. So, um, open your Bibles or your devices to your Bible app and not to Facebook. Where are we going today? That is the question, right? We're going to be in a couple different places, but we're going to start in Mark. Now, I know, I know. You thought we got away from Mark, but we're not done with Mark yet. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And we will be in Deuteronomy as well, but we're going to start with Mark. Lord, we come humbly before your word today. We don't come with our own presuppositions, our own ideas, and things to prove when we study your word. We are here to be taught. We're here to receive from you. So Holy Spirit, speak to us clearly. Let your word resonate in us. Would you bring fresh revelation and teach us today? In your name, amen. All right, Mark 12, 28. Through 31. I'm going to read from the paper Bible today. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognized that he had answered them well, he being Jesus, and asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? And Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The greatest commandment. In Matthew's account of this uh, interaction, Jesus also says, on these two commandments, everything in scriptures, uh, hangs on these things. It depends on these two things. All of the law, all of the prophets, it all comes down to love God and love your neighbor. This particular passage that Jesus is quoting is called the great Shema, which means listen or hear, O Israel. So one of the most prevalent verses in all of Judaism, every, like you, when you learn to speak as a Jew, this is what you learn to say, right along with mom and dad, right? This was, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. Now Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the scribes or the lawyers and the politicians. And uh, it just, He's, they've been trying to trick him up. They've been trying to trap him and get him to say something that, that he regrets or has to go back on. They're trying to discredit him or make him discredit himself. And this has been going on for a long time. If you went with us through Mark, you know that Jesus and these guys were always going at it, always going at it. Jesus hated the way that they had taken the law, taken the Torah, and the system that God had given Israel. He hated the way that they had turned that to use it for personal gain. 
They had literally derived political power and wealth from the system that God gave them, which was intended to draw people into relationship with God. It wasn't intended to, to, to be a government and, um, and be a way for them to enrich themselves because they were at the top of the totem pole. Jesus was always taking issue with this. So we have this enmity. This is the, Jesus had been going at it with the Pharisees and, and or the Sadducees rather. They had some strange questions about resurrection and marriage after death and, and all this stuff. And Jesus was just like, no, 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 no. You, you've just completely missed the point. Um, the point is God is the God of the living, not of the dead. And, and so this scribe went, wow, this guy's smart, but I got one. I got one for him. What's the greatest? Because if he picks one, then he's, he's saying the rest of it doesn't really matter. But that's not what he said. He actually said that it all depends on these two. Everything's tied together. He answered well, like he always did. They never got him. They kept trying, but they never got him. So Jesus, he was talking to them. That's who he's talking to. That's the situation. But he's quoting Moses. He's quoting the law. And in Deuteronomy, Moses is originally saying these things to the Israelites. Moses was the guy in charge, and he was speaking to the Israelites. And he, in um, Deuteronomy um, chapter 6, Moses is recounting their history for the last 40 years since they left Egypt. He's going through it all. He's telling them they're, they're about to enter the promised land, and he's about to die and, and be taken away. And so he's, he's taking them through. He's trying to set them up for success. Moses is saying, here's God. Here's the one who has taken you out of Egypt. Here's the one who has done all these things. He's reminding them of the things that they've experienced, all that they've seen, all that they've heard, um, all that they've eaten. I mean, he goes through it all. All the, all the things they felt, all their complaints, all the times God disciplined them. He's speaking to a people who were just 40 years removed from 400 years of slavery. Who were still dealing with that mentality. They knew Egypt's gods and Egypt's religion, but not Yahweh. Not yet. I mean, they had been experiencing him, but they were still new to that. So there was a need for God to constantly introduce himself. Have you noticed that any time that God starts saying something to the people, he says, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. This is Yahweh here speaking. This is not somebody else. This is Yahweh. And God does this frequently throughout the Old Testament. So here it's Moses speaking for God. He's, he's speaking on behalf of God to the people and he says, this is the one who delivered you from Egypt with mighty wonders. This is the God who defeated all your enemies on the way out. This is the God who, who conquered the land in front of you and made a space for you and will continue to do so as you go. This is the one who promised you a homeland and is now making good on that promise. This is the one who has provided for you in the wilderness, literally feeding you and providing water for you. Remember who is saying, who is speaking and what he is saying. So the Shema is, 
The Lord our God is one, Yahweh is one. I'm not gonna get into this being uh, one of the first references to the Trinity. That's, a, that's an extra thing that we'll talk about another time. But, but the Hebrew is there. It is, is a plurality into a unity and um, God is one, all right? But, but there are, anyways, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that today. We're not doing that. The Lord is one, and you are to love him with all your heart, with all your soul or mind, and with all your strength or might, depending on which translation you are reading. This is direction for them and a command from Moses to set up the rest of the commandments that he's going to give them. And Jesus says that this particular one is the greatest commandment, the one that sums up the law and the prophets. And it's to love God, love God. And we see this word a lot, love. And in fact, if you were at home playing a coffee drinking game today, uh, you would be very well caffeinated <laughs> when, when we're done. Sounds, sounds good. Some of you remember last February when we did that online. Um, Suddenly, suddenly was the word that we were drinking to. Yes. Because it was Mark or immediately, immediately, immediately. So this is the greatest commandment. And if this is the most important one, if Jesus says this is it, if this is the most important one, then we could stand to do a little bit of digging into what it would take to fulfill this commandment. Love, love God, right? Love is an action of devotion. I will, it is burned in my memory and whether I like it or not, it's going to be there for the rest of my days. There's a song by DC Talk. Love is a verb. Love is a verb. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can look that up later and laugh along with us because that style is not happening right now. But I probably, if you started the music, I could probably do the whole rap to that song. <laughs> yes, I can rap. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're not rapping. We're not rapping. The point of the song was love, love is not a feeling. Love is not something you, uh, you talk about. Love is something you do. It is made real by actions. As faith without works is dead, James says, faith, you can, you can think about faith, you can talk about faith, you can say that you believe in God, but until something in your life proves that, until something backs that up, then it's, then it's dead. So love without action is useless. So we are to love God. What kind of actions are we talking about here? It says, with all your heart, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Heart. The, the very core of who you are. It's, it's considered to be the seat of the spirit. With all your heart. We're to guard our heart. We're to lead our heart and train our heart, not follow your heart. Now, culture today says, follow your heart, right? 
follow your heart, chase your dreams. And just from a practical standpoint, that can be really, really bad advice. You can follow your heart right into a whole bunch of stupid places, right? Because it's got to be led. Your heart has to be guarded. It has to be trained. So here it says, all your heart, an undivided heart. You're to lead your whole heart to the Lord. An undivided heart would mean that there's no other thrones. There's no other things that compete for that place of authority. You are to choose God, choose to love God with your whole heart, an undivided heart, one that you intentionally train and move towards God. An example of of this in real life would be prioritizing obedience over comfort or ambition. If I just let my heart go where it's going to go and I follow it, then, then I'm going to choose naturally things of comfort or if I'm a really motivated person, then I'm going to choose, uh, you know, a, a ambitious career path. I'm going to make something happen. I'm going to do that. But if I'm going to love God with all my heart, then I have to be willing to obey him and follow him and let him decide that rather than the things that I would naturally do or prefer. My personality it would be comfort. It'd be not changing things a lot. <laughs> I'm not the ambitious type, but uh, no, it's true. It's true. Uh, a negative example of this would be uh, to, to not follow the Lord or, or love the Lord with your whole heart <laughs> would be uh, allowing the NFL schedule to dictate what happens on Sundays. Ah. Woo! <laughs> right? Hey, you guys are here. You have nothing to worry about, right? Besides, they're not playing until Tuesday now. <laughs> Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, and that's good. That's good. That's good. We are to love the Lord with all our heart, an undivided heart. We're also to love the Lord with all our soul or mind. Every thought. Scripture says we're to take captive every thought and make that subject to Jesus as king. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, renew your mind with the word. Let, let scripture teach you how to think and what is true and what is right. What does Philippians 4, 8 say? Think on these things. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, of good repute, any excellence, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. We train our minds, just like we guard our heart and we train our heart in order to love God with our mind or our soul. We intentionally train our mind to do that. We choose to dwell on these things. A positive example of this would be intentionally choosing to think about his faithfulness, even when circumstances are less than ideal. Like I said at the very beginning, sometimes we don't know, we don't realize our need until a circumstance is less than ideal. 
We could also go the other way. We could fixate on the worst in people or how bad a situation is and just let our minds go on that. Now, anxiety is a real thing. Depression is a real thing. These are, these are real things that we can definitely struggle with. To love God with my mind or my soul means that I am intentionally aiming myself towards him. I am intentionally filling myself with the things that he has said, with the good, with the true. This is not saying that, that everything's happy, happy all the time. We're not, we're not trying to be unrealistic. We're not trying to deny the reality that we live in, but we will choose to love him with our mind, which means obey him with our mind, with our soul. And then there's love the Lord with all your might or your strength. And this refers to the physical body. This is really where the rubber meets the road as far as the definition of love. Actions. Use your physical body to love and to serve God. Do things that bring honor to him. Don't do things that dishonor him. How much easier said than done is that? Thinking and believing are not sufficient. It's got to manifest on the outside to be valid. It's got to be something that somebody can see on you or it doesn't exist. If I say that I love my wife and I even post it on social media, but I never take out the flipping garbage. <laughs> Dishes, doors, that's right. You see, it doesn't really matter what I say at that point, does it? It just doesn't matter what I say. <laughs> it matters what I do or don't do. <laughs> and... God is not saying to do something that he has not already done. God has shown us how to love by the way he loved us. God didn't love with words only. He was consistently, even in the time of Moses, well, acting on behalf of his people, providing for, protecting them, and guiding them. That's what God was doing. And this was not... He wasn't doing this in his own best interest. He was doing this because of them, because we know that he wanted to fricassee him a couple times. <laughs> and yet he kept on loving them. He kept on providing for them. All that he did in those moments was leading to the moment when he would give the ultimate gift, his son, which is kind of the season we're in right now, celebrating that. This is love shown in action, not just rhetoric. His love for us is not only rhetoric and not words, but proven by his actions. And so likewise, the love he expects from us in return is to be shown in action. It's not to be just words that we say or things that we put on a sign or what do we say, bumper sticker ethics. How many people have been cut off by somebody with a fish on their bumper? <laughs> that is the main reason I will not put bumper stickers on my car. 
Yeah, because I, because I might do something stupid on the road, and I don't need people attaching that to anyway. <laughs> I, well, I have a few years before my girls start driving, so Lord have mercy. Um, he he loves and. He loves us with actions. He expects us to love him with actions. In fact, Jesus said in John 14 that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You'll do what I tell you. And that's an action. That is an action. And God has a right to demand this kind of love for us. I mean, it seems kind of arbitrary, and it could seem kind of arbitrary to see this God, Yahweh, in the desert with a big group of people, and and he can just, he could tell them to do anything he wanted to tell them to do, because he's God, and he's a creator, and he can just tell them to do whatever. You know, he can, he can make stuff up. He could do that. That's not who he is, though. He is consistent to his character. Scripture says that he never changes He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says he is good, and his intentions for us are good. He could be arbitrary, if only because he's responsible for creating us. He made us. He could just demand it and then force us to comply. He could. But instead, he showed us this complete love, heart, mind, and strength. And he has given us perfect and extravagant love. We read a few scriptures earlier, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. He demonstrates it with actions that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. 1 John 4, 9 through 10, by this The love of God was manifested in us that God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, not yet, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John 4, 19, just a little later in that chapter, we love now because he first loved us. God gave us the example. And so when he commanded, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, he was not saying something that that wasn't in response to what he had already done. He had already showed, he had already been showing. And then in the future, when Jesus says this, we are to love him in response to what he has done. And that means with an undivided heart. That means with a mind trained on his word and who he is. And that means by actions. We want to love God. We want to, because Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment. And we want to be, we want to be disciples. We will continuously come back to this. If I'm his disciple, I want to be like Jesus. If I'm his disciple, I want to do what he said. And Jesus said, this is it. This is the big one. So we want to do this. 
All right, now the yeah, but part. Do you ever feel like you just really stink at loving God? Like you're actually really terrible at it? (laughs) You ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you keep missing the mark and you'll never be able to live up to that kind of love that he deserves and that he's commanded? Do you feel like you've just tried so many times and failed? And it seems like we've got this black and white issue in front of us. God has said this and I did this and I don't know how to reconcile that. You feel like your feeble efforts only serve to embarrass you (laughs) and dig a deeper hole in the ground. So one of your friends is saying, give me the shovel. Well then, you are in good company. Because Moses is talking to Israel after 40 years of boneheaded, knuckle-dragon, stupid behavior. And, and this is the command. This is the relationship that God is still offering, still taking them into the promised land. And it's in that, in that relationship with their track record that he says, love the Lord your God. He knows that they're going to be stupid in the future. He knows. He knew. People don't change that fast. Not usually. But here's the thing. God knows you are human as well. And he knows that when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, that you are going to fail. Probably in colossal ways. But he still offers that to you. And he still offers you the love that comes while you are still sinners. He still gave everything for you. Hey, Rob, could I have you come and join me? I was waiting until you had the baby. I, we like to rag on Israel, right? And just, you know, how could you forget so quickly that God just, you know, every morning provides manna for you? How could you forget that, that uh, you know, that one time when you were wanting meat instead of manna and he brought the quail. How could you forget the water from a rock? How could you forget the daily visual of the, the pillar of cloud and the nightly experience of the fire by night? But they did, and they complained, and they didn't love God with all their heart and all their soul and all their strength. And even as they got into the promised land just a couple years after this was going on, after Moses gave them this, they they still kept messing up. And I, so we like to make fun of them until the Holy Spirit goes, hey, tap, 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 tap. How about your heart? How about your heart? How many things have I done in your life? And yet, here we are in this condition right now. And when the Holy Spirit does that, he, he never comes at you with condemnation. He doesn't judge you, though he has a right to. He does it out of love. 
He comes to, to help you grow. He comes to, to restore and to pour his love out on you. Though you are not deserving, you weren't in the beginning and you're not now. He gave everything for you. Everything. And he still gives everything for you. So when you fail and when you mess up, because you will and you have, but he knows that, you simply have to keep trying. You have to keep growing. You have to keep listening. You have to keep pursuing, keep training your heart, keep training your mind. Keep prioritizing him, even over the NFL schedule. Let him lead you into the obedience. He will give you things to do, and then you use your body to obey. There's actions. When you love someone, it doesn't make you perfect because you love them. I love my wife and my family, but I am certainly not perfect. After writing this last night, I went home and took out the garbage. I'm not commenting on that. I took out the garbage. (laughs) Sincere love doesn't mean you're flawless. It just means you don't quit. It means you're all in. And the best news in this is that in Philippians 2.13, it says that, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That means that, that he is telling you what he wants. And then he is enabling you to do it. In your heart, in your soul, and with your strength. God is worthy of our affection, our attention. We were singing this earlier. He's worthy of our adoration. He's worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of our love. Our love. Love is not a feeling. It's not a chemically induced state of mind. It is made evident with actions that bear out that sentiment. Just like faith without real life actions is dead, so Love without real life actions is useless. So take out the garbage. It's the practical things, really. You got to start somewhere. It's the practical things. God is not asking for you to move to the Congo and be a missionary tomorrow. Well, I guess he could be. But as far as I know, you and I have not had any of those conversations. What he's asking you to do is get into the word. He's asking you to read. He's asking you to train your mind. He's asking for some time with you in prayer. These are things we can do. What do they say? It's not hard. No, they say it this way. It's not complicated. 
it's just not easy. You got to choose. You got to force yourself. You got to prioritize. You got to keep a schedule. Come on, somebody. That is not my forte. And when you mess up, because you will, you got to keep going. Let the Holy Spirit work in you. Let him work in you more. Give him something to work with. Give him some time. And he will lead you effectively in loving the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and strength. This is the greatest commandment because it's what we were created for. If all of scripture hangs on this, this is what we were made for. It literally encompasses everything else. To love him because that's what you were made for. You were made for the relationship. So let him lead you into it. Let's pray together. Lord, we hear your very clear command. True love is a tall order. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're not capable of loving you like you loved us. But you knew us and you knew that we were incapable of that when you gave the command. And yet you still you still work with us. You still persist when we've given you so many reasons to walk away. You want our love because you love us and made us to receive that love and to give you our love in return. God, we do love you. We do love you. Sometimes our actions don't really show it, but we do love you. And we want to love you far more than we do right now. To honor you with our lives in real and concrete ways. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be at work in us. Lead us and we will follow. Speak and we will listen. Now, just between you and the Lord, just have a a second or two here. Just... Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Allow him to to speak grace to you. If you're feeling like you have just failed too many times, allow allow the grace and the hope and the peace of the Lord to, to minister to you. If you need direction, if you need guidance, if you need correction, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. about so many different things. 
but we are nothing without you. We are nothing without your presence. Lord, we give you space and we give you permission in our hearts to speak and to empower us to obey. We want to love you with our heart, with our soul, with our strength. Thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. Thank you so much for for loving us when we were, at least in our own eyes, unlovable. For sending your son. Jesus, thank you for giving everything. No greater love is there than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends or even his enemies, which you did for us. Lord, we're so grateful for your love and we want to love you back. Keep growing us, keep developing us, keep discipling us in your way of love. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. As you go into this busy week, may you sense the love of God in new and profound ways. May his love for you inspire you to love him back this Christmas week. Amen.